but uh, he's going to bring God's word and introduce a new series that we're going to focus on between now and Easter. Hi. Happy New Year. Um, how many of you appreciated the week off last week? Be honest. Oh, most of you are too spiritual and wished you were here at 9 a.m. to set up on New Year's Day. Um, well, welcome back. Uh, it's a new year. It's a new um, time for us as a church. So we're going to be looking at something a little bit different. To tee us up, I want to get you to interact with your neighbor. Whoa. It's your favorite time on a Sunday morning. Yes, all of you were just like, I really hope I get to talk to the person next to me. In the, um, uh, and what I'd like to do, really easy, low pressure, I would like you to tell them your favorite place in the whole world. Now, if you've got more than one, um, just say a couple. Uh, but maybe grab someone near you. If you don't know them, that's great. Introduce yourself. Um, and what's your favorite place in the whole world? I'm not going to give you long, so if you haven't swapped over already, maybe switch. What's your favorite place? If you're already done, you can say, why is it your favorite place? Got to kill 10 minutes after all. Okay, hands up if you're done. Okay, that's, that's plenty. I'm going to show you a few of mine because uh, this is all about me anyway. So uh, if you could uh, refix your attention where it's important here, uh, that would be great. Favorite place. Um, I'm going to show you. Actually, I've cheated. I've got a few. Um, so, ha. Huh. Um, my first one uh, is, is this place. How many of you know Knoll Park? I absolutely love Knoll Park. Every now and then I get to take a day on what's called retreat, uh, which means you get to go away by yourself and pray and stuff like that. I love it. I always go to Knoll Park and I just sit there and just enjoy the hugeness and the nature and the beauty of it. A lot of my favorite places are as far away from people as I can get, uh, which tells you something um, about me and why I went into pastoring. Um, uh, next up, um, my, uh, one of my favorite places is in the house that I grew up in. We just had this amazing garden that I completely loved. And uh, this is our old garden. That's not me in the picture. Um, we had three apple trees, a plum tree, two silver birch trees, a pond. It was so big. Um, and we used to have our own little sections in it. And I could just spend hours and hours and hours throwing. Yeah, I know. Um, we used to have wars, we used to have this great game when the apples, you know the early apples before they're ripe, they fall off the tree. It turns out a great game is uh, <laughs> taking a whole bucket full of them and smacking them with a tennis racket into neighboring gardens. Um, people love it when you share with them in that way. Um, but they're also really nice and hard, so great for fights, which is good. Um, so that's our, our, our old garden. Love that place. Um, one of my other favorite places is a place in Norfolk called Sheringham. Anyone know Sheringham? Yeah, great. This is just round the corner. Sheringham's just past view there. We used to stay every summer at this campsite um, just above the cliffs to the left there. Um, and there's not loads special about the place in some ways. It's just like there's loads of beaches like it in the in the England. But it's just this beautiful sandy beach and these really iconic walks. And you know when you do stuff when you're a kid how it just becomes like a part of who you are? And so, like, as I grew up, this kind of place became a part of who I was. And that meant that when Melissa and I started getting to know each other, started dating, it became important to me, it felt important to me to start to share these places with her. Does that make sense? Because actually, for her to really know me, she had to know these places. She had to see what I was talking about when I tried to show her what, how special uh, these places were. So that's me dragging her camping on the top of a cliff in uh, very cold. Yeah. 
Oh, we did used to have a trailer tent. Yeah, um, that was good. So we spent the whole holiday fixing leaks in the roof, uh, trying to prop it up because the weather at Sheringham isn't terrific. I don't know if you. It's not the, the reason we went on holiday there is because it's less expensive than <laughs> going somewhere else, and also because the cliffs are like sand. Every year you'd go, and there'd be less of the campsite left because more of it had collapsed into the sea. Uh, but still, really special uh, place for me. But the places, our favourite places say something about us, don't they? The place where you spend the most time in your life, it tells us something about you. If your favorite place that you just told the person next to you about is on your sofa in front of the TV, that says something about, I'm not saying it's negative, maybe if that is your favorite one, that's completely fine, but it says something about you. It says something about your priorities, it says something about your heart, it says something about your life, you as a person. If your favorite place is on the top of a mountain, then that says something about you. If your favorite place is anywhere except here, that says something about you. If your favorite place is the chair that you're sitting in right now, uh, listening to a preach on a Sunday morning, then that says something about you. Um, If your favorite place is your bed, does anyone have a favorite place as the bed? No? Uh, that, That says something about who you are, about your priorities. And as we get to know each other, it really, it's actually helps to kind of get, start to understand these things about each other. Now, this term, in short, what we want to do is get to know Jesus better. Is that okay? It's not a bad aim, is it? Uh, like, like Nigel said, we want to know Jesus and we want to make him known, um, this term. And a tool that we're going to use to do that is to look at some of Jesus' favorite places or look at some of the places where he shows up and think a little bit about, well, what does it mean that our Jesus is the kind of Jesus who goes to that kind of place? What does that mean? What does he do when he gets there? What difference does he make when he goes to these places? And how can we in our lives follow the kind of Jesus who goes to these kind of places? Does that make sense? So you're extra privileged this morning because I'm going to take you on a little tour of some of the places that Jesus actually went to. You ready? Has anyone else been to Israel? Pretty cool place. If you can go, go. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but I'm going to, uh, Melissa and I have had the chance to go to Israel a couple of times in the last couple of years, and you'll be pleased to know I took some photos, and I'm about to do holiday photos on you all. Yes! Ready? This is kind of me showing off, um, and getting to talk about times where I got to go to the Holy Land. So, oh, I've got to, we've got to wait for it to warm up again. Oh, maybe let's dim the lights. Yeah, people don't need to see me. Um, but um, we're gonna, I'm just going to lead you through some of the places where Jesus pops up in the gospel stories for a few minutes. This will um, awaken a little bit more. Um, first place, one of the first places we hear about Jesus going is in a river. Uh, anyone know where this is? That's the River Jordan. What did Jesus do there? He got baptized. Very good. Um, so we actually went there, and one of the tours I went on, uh, we baptized a couple of people in the Jordan, just because it's cool to do that. Um, and it's very nice and leafy, if you go to that bit. Uh, one of the other places we find Jesus going really early on is uh, a place similar to this. Jesus might not have gone to this Mount of Temptation, but they, uh, I think they did name it after him. It's, it's not a particularly appealing place, is it, when you look at it? Um, Mount of Temptation. <laughs> it's like... Yes, I would like to climb that. Thank you. Um, uh, And that camel was uh, there to make it even more appealing. 
Um, but Jesus went uh, to a mountain on his own in the wilderness and was tempted by the devil. What does that say about Jesus? What does it say about why he came? What does it say? And we're going to explore some of these questions. Um, where we find Jesus loads is on a beach. He used to love going to the beach. We have that in common. Um, uh, where's this? That's the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee. It's not actually as big as you might imagine it in your mind. Um, but these are. this is like the villages around this were like places where Jesus actually was. So he may well have walked on that beach. Ooh. Any of you not care? Some, some of you don't care about this kind of thing, and others of you will be really excited. Uh, when I was there, I was like, wow, this is actually really cool. Like, Jesus probably uh, stepped on this stone. No, well, I don't know. But... Um, Not that that's the most important thing, but uh, it seemed interesting to me. But Jesus spent loads of his time. His hometown was just a a stone's throw from here, uh, literally. And um, he also spent some of his time on a hill. Um, Now, what what happens when Jesus goes up a hill? Well, different things. Um, He goes up a hill to pray on his own, doesn't he? He goes up a hill, and a bunch of people follow him, and he teaches them what the way of the kingdom is like and how we can, uh, blessed are the poor and blessed are the meek and all that kind of stuff. Uh, happens on a hill. So we're going to look at what Jesus, what happens when Jesus goes up a hill and how we can go up a hill. Amen. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) It's like how I made that look like an accident. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I did ask Melissa. I was like, is this appropriate for, she was like, no. I was like, good. Uh, uh, but we also find Jesus in a boat. That's not definitely the boat that Jesus used, but you know it could well be. Um, and uh, it probably didn't have those flags on it at the time, but there you go. And uh, this is on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Jesus spent a lot of time in a boat going around with his disciples. There was a fishing community at the time. At the moment, it's very quiet. If you look at the lake, there's not much going on. But when Jesus was there, it had been a a kind of thriving uh, fishing and community hub. So that's one of the places where Jesus went. You also find Jesus not in a boat. So we're going to look at that as well. Uh, Think a little bit about why Jesus might not be in the boat. Uh, You find Jesus in a house. Jesus loved to spend his time in houses with actual people. That's a really cool thing, isn't it? He loved to spend time um, in people's houses, sometimes his friends and sometimes people's houses that he really shouldn't have been in, like a house of a guy um, who had had leprosy or a house of a tax collector and sinner, house, um, uh, Nick, uh, what's his name? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus's house. Uh, we find him in all sorts of houses. Interestingly, um, Simon Peter's house, you know, where he, Jesus goes and heals the mother-in-law. Remember that story? Jesus spends loads of time here. That's just over that way from this picture. So this is like where Jesus lived in Capernaum. Um, and he was kind of based there when he was doing his Galilee ministry. Uh, and what can you see behind it? A synagogue. Um, oh, well, I... Oh, uh, back... Can I get back? Yes. Now this, okay, this, this is really cool. I think this is my most exciting place that Jesus went. Uh, This is in a little village that's only in the last kind of 15, 20, 30 years, something like that, been dug up and discovered. It's a village called Magdala. Does that ring any bells? Why does that ring a bell? Mary. Mary Magdalene isn't her surname, it turns out. It's Mary from Magdala. Um, And this is a synagogue that was discovered in that uh, little village community called Magdala. And in the Gospels, it says that Jesus went round all of the synagogues in the area, preaching and teaching the word of God, which means that what happened in that room? 
Jesus taught the word of God in that room. How cool is that? Not cool. You're not, you're not, okay, that's fine. Um, but <laughs> we're going to look together at why that might be important, why that might be a cool thing. Uh, we also find Jesus on a donkey. Uh, again, can't, probably not the same donkey, but um, it's definitely related so, um, to the donkey that Jesus used. Um, and we find Jesus, don't we, coming from his ministry in Galilee into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. And we're going to think, what does it mean that our king, Jesus, is found on a donkey. What does that say about who he is? What does that say about his heart, um, his ministry? Um, how can we copy him and all ride donkeys? Um, well, then we find him at the temple. Now the temple, uh, wh- well, where's this? That's the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Quite right. Um, so just, a, that's the kind of, you know when the Bible says the Temple Mount? You're looking at the Temple Mount there. So the, the ground behind that wall is raised. Um, and then on top of that used to sit the temple. Now, some of these stones um, were there when the temple was around at Jesus' time. So Jesus would have seen some of that same stuff um, there. And the temple was parked on top of it just above, which is why the Jews uh, love to pray at the Wailing Wall, because it's the closest wall um, on the side of the Temple Mount to where the temple uh, used to be. Um, and they pray that God will rebuild the temple. Um, but uh, we look to Jesus, who is the new temple, so uh, each to their own. Um, and uh, so that's, that's where Jesus was. And he spent loads of his time at the temple in the last week of his life, teaching and um, observing and turning over tables and messing up worship, um, which he loved to do. So we're going to look at what does that mean? What does it mean when Jesus shows up and does that kind of stuff? Um, and then, now this is really cool. Um, you can't really see it, but this is a, a little underground cell. Now this is, <laughs> okay, takes a bit of explanation, but this could be, I'm not saying it is, but this could be the place where Jesus spent the last night of his life on earth. Um, well, his life, his, before he was resurrected. Then he spent more li- nights on earth, not in a cell. Um, but, uh, so this is underground in a place where they found like priestly items, like priestly items of um, cutlery and crockery and things like that that would indicate that maybe this was the high priest's house at the time of Jesus, and there's this underground cell. So you remember Jesus goes on trial at Caiaphas' house, and then they keep him till the morning, don't they, and then take him to Rome. Jesus might have spent his last night in that room. But what does it mean, regardless of whether it's this room, what does it mean that our Jesus was someone who spent time in a jail cell? What does that say about him? What does it say to us about who he is and about how we can follow him together? And then, of course, <laughs> what does it mean that our Jesus was someone who went to the cross, who, who, who died, um, and died a humiliating and vulnerable and painful uh, death for us? What does that mean? And how can we copy that and follow that kind of a Jesus? And then, what does it mean that Jesus was not in a tomb, that Jesus was for a little while, and then he was gone. He was disappeared. Well, disappeared, raised. Gosh. Um, (laughs) Raised to life and not confined to a tomb, not dead anymore. What does that mean? And we're going to look at some of these questions together over the next um, few, couple of months, really. Because here's the amazing thing. See, it's, it's one thing looking at where Jesus was, where Jesus liked to spend his time and thinking about um, him. But really, uh, what's really amazing is after Jesus is died, raised, and ascends to heaven, 
what you see is this change in the lives of his disciples. All of a sudden, they start showing up in similar kinds of places to the kinds of places where Jesus showed up. All of a sudden, they start going to weird people's houses that they shouldn't be going to. All of a sudden, they start leaving their homes and going different places to try and spread uh, the word of Jesus because, it, uh, because what's important isn't just the geographical places where Jesus went, but what that means for where the church should be spending our time. Does that make sense? So we're going to think about that together. Is, is if the, like, think about it like this. If Jesus grew up and lived in southeast London, where would he spend his time? Where would he like to be? Where would he wake up in the morning and think, I'll go there today. I'm going to talk to those people today. I'm going to eat at that person's house today. Where would that be? around here. Which pubs would he drink at? What, do you th- what would he think of the price of drinks in pubs uh, at the moment? Would he preach against that? I think so. Um, and uh, do you see these are important questions because they define our own experience as Christians. So it's going to help us to think as a follower of Jesus, how is it that Jesus wants to be in the places where I am? How is it that he wants to be in my house? How is it that he wants to be in my place of work? What does he want to say in that context? What difference does he want to make in the context where I already am? But then also, is there somewhere where he's calling me to that I'm not yet? Is there a new space that he wants us to go to? And for a couple of people this morning we've been talking about, that's a geographical question, isn't it? Is, is there a new place where God's calling me to, uh, whether it's the Lawrences moving away, the Hathaways going away, 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 where's the new spaces that Jesus is calling us to? Is that okay? So this is the journey that we're going on. We're just going to be getting him to know him more together and asking Jesus, what, what difference would you have make in my life? As I was um, thinking about this this morning, I was reminded of the, the, the guys at the beginning of John's gospel. Um, when John the Baptist has his little followers and then he sees Jesus and he says to his disciples, he says, look, the Lamb of God. And those two disciples go and follow Jesus instead. Do you remember this story? And they, so they, they switch from dis- being John's disciples to being Jesus' disciples. And they go to Jesus and he's like, what do you want? And they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? Like, where, where are you going? What's, what's next on your agenda? Where are you staying? And he invites them to come and see. And it changes their lives forever as they follow Jesus around the places where he goes and see what he gets up to. Their lives are never the same again. Is that cool? That's my hope for all of us, really. Whether we end up being in exactly the same geographical spaces as we currently occupy, or whether God wants to use this to speak to us of new places, new adventures, and things like that. Are you available to that? Great. Amen.